Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. This morning, I want us to look at what it looks like to have a persistent confidence in God. If you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, turn with me to Mark chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse 24. And as you get there, let me kind of, let me, let me, let me bring us a little bit of context that, that kind of piggybacks over the last couple of weeks. So uh, two weeks ago, we looked at an encounter that took place between Jesus and some Pharisees. As the Pharisees got a little bit um, uptight, they didn't get a little bit uptight, they got really uptight, but the fact that some of Jesus' disciples didn't wash their hands prior to eating. And they looked at Jesus and said, um, hey, why do your disciples not care about the tradition of the elders, but instead eat with defiled hands? And Jesus came unglued on the Pharisees. He said, listen, by opening your mouths, you prove yourselves hypocrites. You're more concerned with tradition than you are with truth. Actually, not only are you more concerned with tradition than you are with truth, you have elevated your tradition above the truth of God. And church, there's a good lesson for us. We should never elevate tradition above God's truth. God's truth will never change. Traditions will come and go. God will not come and go. God has come, and he has come to stay. And, and on the heels of that, as Jesus gathered his disciples together, um, he, he let them know. He said, hey, listen, just, just for lesson's sake, what you put in your mouth is not what defiles you. No, it's the condition of your heart and what comes out of your heart that defiles you. You see, a good heart condition matters. And it matters far greater than any religious practice that you might put into place. See, it's not about the things that you do, it's about what needs to happen to you that can radically change your life. And, and as Jesus is doing that, there's a great message for us, because what the Pharisees were doing, even to the Jews, I mean, the, the Pharisees would have said, listen, Gentiles have no place with God. But what the Pharisees were doing, even to the Jews, is that they were not serving as a bridge between people and God. No, they were standing as a wall between people and God. They were making coming to God at best difficult and for many impossible. Because we ask ourselves, I mean, who did Jesus come for? Jesus came for anyone who would say, God save me. So this morning we look at a, we look at a passage, we look at a, a story that dovetails very well into what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And we look at the life of an individual that um, demonstrated a persistent confidence in the Lord. She was not going to be told no. Let me, what I want us to do, I want us to unpack this passage of scripture, then we'll come in on the back end. As we look at that question, what does it look like to have a persistent confidence in the Lord? 
Mark chapter 7, verse 24, it says, And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. So Jesus goes to a, a city called Tyre, which is in the, which is in the um, region of Syria. And, and Tyre was a city that while it was part of the region of Syria, um, these cities acted independently of one another. They had their own governments established. Um, they had their own gods. They had their own system of doing things. And, and Jesus, uh, we don't know exactly why he went away, but we know he went away to get away. He wanted some time away. Could have been to spend some time with the disciples. You know, the disciples were always clamoring for more time with Jesus. They could have been because he knew that they were exhausted. Keep in mind, Jesus is 100% God, but he's also what? He's 100% man. Jesus had to sleep. Jesus had to rest. His pace was unimaginable. Maybe he just needed to get away for a little while. But says he got away to a house, and what did he not want? He didn't want anyone to what? To know he was there. You ever known someone that everybody wanted to be around? <laughs> it's hard to hide when everybody wants to be around you. It says, at the end of verse 24, it says, Yet he could not be what? He could not be hidden. But immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So this woman comes and finds Jesus. Jesus is at a house. He doesn't want anyone to know where he is, but he cannot be hidden. A woman comes and finds him. She is desperate for his presence. She falls down at his feet, not just to worship him though. No, she needs something. Her daughter is demon possessed. Well, what's interesting though is living in Syria, she would have had other gods that she could have run to. She would have had other magical people she could have run to, but she'd heard there was something different about Jesus. But a detail about this woman that we cannot miss out on. No, she wasn't a good Jewish woman coming to Jesus. What kind of a woman was she? She was a Gentile. Isn't it a beautifully placed story in light of what we've looked at the last couple weeks? See, the Jews would have said the only way to come to God is through Judaism. But that's not the message of the gospel. The way we get to God is not through a religious system. No, the way we get to God is through Jesus Christ himself. That is the only way. And so as Jesus is, is spending time in this house, we don't even know exactly where the house is, he's trying to get away. A woman comes and finds him, a Gentile. And while Jesus is surrounded by Jews who should know better, this Gentile woman knows better. She falls at his feet and she begs him, save my daughter. Then an interaction takes place. Some words from Jesus that if we're not careful, they seem very much out of character for the Lord. Because this is how Jesus responds. And he said to her, let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. 
Now, I, I think we have to be careful here because Jesus, while might to our eyes seem out of character, Jesus is never out of character. Jesus never sets aside his character. Jesus never forgets his character. <laughs> Jesus is always true to who he is. Jesus is always God. Jesus never had a bad day. Jesus never had a misstep. Jesus never misspoke once in his entire life. These words are very intentional. And as I've read through these words, yes, Gentiles were referred to dogs, and there might be some kind of underlying meaning to this, but I, th I think Jesus is painting a picture. He's like, hey, listen, let the children be fed first. Now, who does the children refer to? Children refers to the nation of Israel. But, but notice his words. Jesus does not say, let the children be fed. And I think he's intentional. Jesus doesn't use words on accident. He always uses them on purpose. He says, let the children be fed first. See, Jesus knew that when he came, his mission was to what? His mission was to seek and to save the lost. Everyone. Who fits in the category of lostness? Every single person to walk this planet. See, the Jews weren't found because they were Jews. No, the Jews were lost and needed to be found. Every single person is a lost, wandering individual in desperate need of being found. And while the world will tell you that you can be found by the things of this world, I'm here to tell you that your greatest need is to be found by Jesus. And that's who I want to find me. And that's who I'm so glad he found me. No, Jesus says, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Probably referencing more like a, 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 a pet animal that's there in the house. It, I know some of you, some of you have pets and you have elevated them above your kids. And the way some of your kids act, that might be understandable. No, I'm just messing. Our, one of our kiddos, we have, we have a dog. I'm, I won't say that. We have a dog. Her name is Sage. Um, Sage is the best behaved thing in our house. Um, you've, you've heard the story before. If you, you want to see who loves you more, you put your, your wife in and your dog in the trunk and you drive around for a couple hours, you get back and you open up the trunk and see who's happy to see, you know. I didn't come up with that. If you've never heard that, you need to open your eyes or something. And don't try that. Some of you coming up last week going, hey, I had another donut because you said I could. I didn't say you could. If your doctor said don't eat a donut, don't eat a donut. Holy moly. Some of you said don't tell my wife. So I had someone else tell her. No, I, one, of our, one of our kids refers to Sage as, as the, fourth, the fourth child. And sometimes just to mess with them, I look at our kids and say, we should have had four dogs because they're better behaved. Just, met, just messing. Now, but at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you don't give the meal to your pet before you let your kids eat. No, you feed your, you feed your children. See, I think Jesus was testing the woman. Jesus came to seek and to save lost people. He always had a heart of compassion but he was also trying to get to the heart of people. See, because Jesus knew this woman's greatest need was not. Now, she comes with a very severe need. My daughter is demon-possessed. That is a real need. She didn't come to him and say, I have a hangnail that needs fixing. 
No, she had a desperate need, and it wasn't even for herself. It was a selfless need for her daughter. But her greatest need was not for her daughter to be healed of the demon. See, we don't need temporary relief. We need eternal salvation. That is our greatest need. So I think Jesus tests her. We, you know, one of the hard things about text is you can't read inflection, can you? Some of you need to keep that in mind when it comes to texting or emails. Golly, sorry. You just don't know. And I, I, I miss that sometimes. Like, I'll send something off and Brandy's like, gosh, that was mean. I was like, no, I was smiling when I texted it. Now, I wonder how his, I wonder if he had like a compassionate tone when he was talking to her. Hey, listen, let the children be fed, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She was not to be deterred, though. No, she responds, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Back to that, those animals you love, I really hope you don't put your animals on the table. But do you have a dog that like, you know exactly where the dog is when you're eating? We don't feed our dog table food, like we don't feed our dog human food. But that does not keep her from looking for, uh, she loves cheese. She loves to see that, which is kind of scary because, you know, like we'll open a bag of cheese and she just, she could be in the deepest slumber on the other side of the house and Sage comes walking in. <laughs> She's like, all right, I'm here for cheese, you know. And I mean, sometimes I'll look down and we're eating and there's the dog just staring into your soul going, you feed me out of a bag. How about you give me some of what you're eating? No, she looks at Jesus and says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat under the, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She's like, listen, I don't need, she, she gets the picture. She gets what he's saying. But she looks at her and she says, listen, I'm not asking for the whole meal. I just need a crumb. I just need a little bit. And she believed that a little bit of Jesus was enough for her daughter. And that is incredible. And I can almost see Jesus smiling. And, and, and you know, we don't want to read in too much to this. But, but I can also imagine him going, hey, did everybody hear that? Did everybody hear what she just said? Because what was Jesus dealing with? He was dealing with Pharisees that had so manipulated the truth that their tradition was more important. He was dealing with disciples who were right by his side, yet they could not understand the simple teachings of Jesus. And here's this Gentile woman who the Jews around him would have thought of as a dog, and she got it. She understood that a little bit of Jesus was more than anything the world could ever do. And I almost wonder if he smiled and looked at her and said, for this statement. What's, what's that mean? For this statement. Read into it. Because of your faith. For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she didn't linger. You know, this is very much in line with the book of Mark, when people would get healed, what would Jesus say? He'd say, now go. Go home, go see. Go experience what 
I've just told you. And she went home and found this child, her child, lying in bed and the demon gone. What does it look like to have a persistent confidence in God's power? Let me share a couple things. When we talk about having a persistent confidence, like a determined, insistent confidence in God's power, it begins with this. We know that God has everything that we need. If we possess a persistent confidence in the Lord, we know that he has everything that we need. Jesus had gone to this house. He was trying to get away, but the woman found out that that's where Jesus was. Maybe she had tried some other things, but she had finally heard about this guy named Jesus. Her daughter was possessed by a demon. And where did she run? She ran to the Lord. She fell at his feet. As she prostrated herself at his feet, there's a picture of reverence. There's a picture of humility. But think about her life situation. Her life has been uprooted, turned upside down. Her daughter is demon-possessed. No, she is in a is season of desperation, a season of grief. She needs the Lord. When we have a persistent confidence in the Lord, we know that God has everything that we need. And so we have to ask ourselves, where is our spiritual default when we find ourselves in desperation? Where do we run when we need something? But even go a step back from that, when you don't need something, where do you run? Do you try to use Jesus as some kind of like WebMD for your spiritual problems or do you run to Jesus every single day? Now see, if you have a persistent confidence in the Lord, you don't just trust him when the times are bad. No, you trust him at all times because you know that he is everything. What does it look like to have a persistent confidence in the Lord? It begins with we, us knowing that God has everything that we need. But we also, when we find ourselves in difficult situations, maybe in a, in a hard conversation, maybe when things aren't going exactly as we want them to go, we are not deterred when things get difficult. We are not dissuaded from running after the Lord. Look at the, look at the story that takes place with Jesus I mean, how many people in this room, if you were to go to God and Jesus were to come to you with a question like, hey, listen, I, I, I hear your plight. I hear what you're asking. But imagine you asking Jesus for something. And he says, listen, let the children be fed first. Don't give dogs kids food. I mean, what would your response be? Would you slither away from the Lord? Or would you stand determined. See, I, I don't think Jesus' words were meant to be demeaning. He wasn't trying to discourage or to deflate. No, I, I think Jesus knew exactly what she, not just wanted, he knew exactly what she needed. But for Jesus, it was deeper than just snapping his fingers and something being better at home. No, was, was she coming to him because she was just looking for a quick miracle? Or did she really believe that Jesus was something different? 
I think that's why he asked the question. I think that's why he made the statement the way that he did. Hey, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But church, if we have a persistent confidence in the Lord, we will not be dissuaded when things don't go the way that we want them to go. If you wake up in the morning and life goes sideways, it's not going to destroy the faith that you already have in the Lord. Have you ever had something not go your way? Yes, it's called every day that ends in the word day. I mean, every single day something goes on that's not the way you saw it going. Every single day is filled with curveballs and difficult times. So you kind of have to ask yourself, when it comes to your confidence in the Lord, is it conditional or is it unconditional? Do you conditionally believe in God or do you unconditionally believe in God? See, I think sometimes we look at um, good things happening to us as if those good things are what this thing, this thing called life is all about. But church, salvation in Christ, that's the entire meal. That, that's the appetizer. That's the dessert. That's everything. It doesn't get better than that. Yet, this world will throw blessings your direction, but it will also throw trials and tribulations your direction. And if we have an eternal mindset, if we have a persistent confidence in the Lord, we will realize that those things are but temporary, both the good and the bad. Because at the end of the day, we are about eternal things. This world really has nothing for me, but God has it all. What does it look like to have a persistent confidence in the Lord? We know that God has everything that we need. We are not deterred when things don't go our way. And at the end of the day, if we have a persistent confidence in the Lord, if we are determined that God's power is enough, then we insist that God is our own only solution. We, we, we don't run somewhere else. We continue to run to the Lord. Jesus said to her, hey, listen, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog. But she answered, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She wasn't going to walk away with her head dipped. No, there was still a conversation to be had. And I believe that Jesus' statement demanded her to appeal back to him. And she passed the test. Jesus was trying to see if what she believed in him was a sustaining belief or was she just looking for a quick answer? No, she not only believed that God had everything that she needed, she was not going to take anything but him for a solution. See, if we have a persistent confidence in the Lord, he is our only answer. And his answer is enough. His answer is always going to be good enough. Now, where we have to be careful that we don't read into this is that we read into this that as long as we are persistent enough, God is going to give us what we want. No, that's not how it goes. No, if you are persistent, God is going to give you what you need. 
I know I've asked the question before. But have you ever not gotten what you wanted and got down the road and you were really thankful you didn't get what you wanted? <laughs> Aren't you glad doesn't always, that God doesn't always give you what you asked for? No, God always knows what you need. The greatest need is his salvation. I would say a close second is God's presence is what you need. If you're a follower of Jesus, your greatest need is for the Lord to be with you, for the Lord to sustain you, for the Lord to walk beside you. That's, that's, that's your greatest need, and God will provide that. The Bible says God never leaves us or forsakes us. What a beautiful story. What an eye-opening story. You know, you think back to Friday night. Who are the people in the room that should have the most confidence? See, the world would say the people that should have the most confidence are the people that are the most put together, that have been blessed the most. How interesting, though, that the, the individuals that the world would say are lacking are the ones who have the most confidence and the least amount of shame. They're the ones who are most comfortable being who they are. You know, we're so quick to say that every single individual is beautifully and wonderfully made. As Ryan Mulvaney put it so well on Friday night, every single person is created in the image of a holy God. But how often do we go through life and we look at the life that we are living and we almost think that God messed up somewhere, that he didn't do well enough. No, see, that's, that's, that's not how God intended things to be, not for us to, for us to question, not for us to rebuttal against the, the, the hand that he has given us. No, he is with us, he never forsakes us. And it is in him that we placed our trust. Church, I want us to be a church that has a persistent confidence in the Lord, where we know that God has everything that we need. Even when life goes sideways, we're not going to be deterred. We're not going to stop running after the Lord because we know that he is our only solution. So I ask you this morning, are you running after God in a determined way? Or are you trying to run after God only when it benefits you, and only when things go your way. See, I think there are some people here this morning that you're like the woman who has something going on in her life that is so desperate that you're in desperate need for God. Can I encourage you? Don't run anywhere else but run to Jesus. Just run to him because he's enough. For the rest of us here, that if we don't find ourselves in that kind of situation, can I encourage you not to have a kind of confidence in the Lord only when it serves you well, but day by day to place your full confidence in a holy God? Because it's God that you need. Who was the one that trusted? It wasn't the Pharisees. No, they created their own system of religion and salvation his disciples were struggling. They ended well, but his disciples at this point were struggling. They didn't understand all the things that Jesus was saying. They had a difficult time wrapping their arms and their minds around 
the teachings that came out of his mouth, but this Gentile, this dog, this, this person who wasn't supposed to understand, no, she was the one that exercised the greatest confidence. For she knew that Jesus wasn't just enough. She knew that Jesus was it. You let Jesus be your everything. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning and for just this beautiful story of your redemption. God, you seek and save lost people. And not you seek and save lost people that we think you should, you should seek and save. God, you, you run after people. For God, you are enough. Father, this morning, I, I need a confidence in you that transcends all of life's situations. God, I don't want to play, place my hope in the things of this world. For God, you and you alone are my hope. You and you alone are enough. So Father, convict our hearts, move in this place. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's I-B-C-B-E-N-T-O-N.com. Or give us a call at 618-439-3513.